I'm going to take you back to the dawn of creation according to the way my ancestors told me. What I have to tell you, or what I am going to speak about, you will probably never find it in the libraries. The most educated person in the United States does not have this history. The history of my people were preserved in the medicine man. <clears throat> when we speak of a medicine man, most people think of somebody that's always picking up herbs, recommending medicine, but there is more to it in, in my tribe. For other tribes, I cannot speak too much for other tribes because I do not understand some of their customs, some of their ways of making medicine. But in my Creek tribe, I understand that. How one becomes a medicine man, all the way up to these dying days, I can understand the life of a medicine man. I am more familiar with my tribe, so that's what I am going to bring out to you. The word Muskogee is our original names and not the Creeks. The Creek word, the word Creek was never used until later years, probably somewhere in 1800s. But prior to that, we were called Muskogee. And from the very beginning of times, our, our name Muskogee was a longer word Muskogee is only a short word for our tribe. Our tribe's name was Masi Aksokche, which means those who possesses herbs. <clears throat> At one time, somewhere in the West, the earth opened its mouth. Three groups of people came out of this earth and <clears throat> went West. When they went further west, they lived in the land of fog, the land that covered with fog. The sun was never seen, or nor did they see one another in speaking to one, to each other. Because of the thickness of the fog, they never could see one another clear. One day, the wind came and blew the fog away. And the first animal that was seen by my people, they became that clan. And the first animal that was seen was the bear. So that group became the bear clan, which has a lot to do with tradition, ceremonies, that we have our ceremonial grounds. All these clans has a lot to do with it, down to this date. The bear clan was originated there, and many others, birds, deers, and all kinds of animal clans were originated there. Since the wind came and blew the fog away, the wind clan had a position in the tribe. I am of the wind clan. My father was a bear clan. And therefore, I was chosen to hold a position, not by the people, not by election, not by, by appointment, does one become a medicine man. A medicine man is observed from his birth own up until certain age by the older medicine man. If he is qualified to become a medicine man, then he begins training at early age. Different herbs are told to him what they are good for. And as time goes by, he begins to pick up more and more from the older medicine man.
And then he never goes out to publish himself or to announce himself. By his actions and by his looks, by his ways, he is judged as a medicine man. Then someday someone will come to him for medicine and he prepares a medicine for this person. Then later on, he becomes well known to the tribe. He never steps out to tell you that he knows this and he knows that. All of his knowledge is kept in secret in, in his heart. Even his children never learns everything from his father, even though he is a medicine man. <clears throat> Getting back to our story of the creation. In this land, everything was filthy. Everything was dirty. Nothing was clean. The only clean thing that eyes could see was the sun coming up from the east. So my people decided to go see where the sun was coming from because it was so bright and that was the only cleanest thing that could be seen. So they traveled east and they went as far as to a river, a red, thick, slimy river in which they could not cross. So they followed the river to another river that joined this river. In between the two rivers, there was a mountain that thundered all the time and red smoke came from the top of this mountain. They stood there at this mountain and saw a post beneath this mountain that shook all the time. <clears throat> By the directions of the elders, they picked out a motherless child and slammed it against this pole and the pole stopped. And then they gained the knowledge of herbs. Four herbs was introduced to my tribe, one known as the red willow root, the other snake root, and the other spice wood. Also, the small leaf tobacco was given to them at the foot of this mountain. Here they began to possess the herbs for healing and for many other things. Here they obtained the first fire, which was given to them by the Creator. Then they went east again. They took the pole with them, and the pole gave them directions which way to travel. And there is no telling how many years, maybe hundreds of years, they traveled, camping at certain areas and following the directions of this pole. Many customs and traditions that we have today were picked up on this journey. <clears throat> While traveling east, whichever way the pole fell, that's the directions that they took. And they traveled all the way to the east coast. Every morning, it was a custom by my people that they get up before the sun came up because they were going to seek, see the sun. Going to the mountains, they stood on the top of the mountain. And in ancient language, they cried out, Go Hashida, Go Hashida, which means, where is the sun? And that group of people became the Kasista people. And we identify these people today. Their descendants live around the vicinity of Okmulgi. Some three or four hundred or maybe more of the first people's descendants still live with us now. The second group of people known as the Kawita people, they are still identified. Some live in around Muskogee area today, some around Ufala area. 
The third group of people in which the history says that they were Chickasaws. Chickasaw is another tribe, but they did have some affiliation with the Kasista people in ancient times. <coughs> and <coughs> these three groups of people, they are still here today. Their descendants are still with us today. They had ceremonial grounds in which they attended. <coughs> they still respected the sun because that was the cleanest things that I could see. When traveling, they went all the way to the East Coast and they seen the sun coming up out of the ocean. Here is the custom that was picked up by my people, that everything they did, they went to the river to take a bath because it was thought that the sun takes a bath every morning, therefore it is so clean and bright. To this day, everything my tribe does concerning medicine, tribal ceremonial grounds that we have, they still yet go to the river to take a bath. In winter months, a traditional Indian, which I would say a full blood maybe, <coughs> Indian that has always lived according to his traditions will go to the sweat lodge. No matter how deep the snow is, no matter how, deep, how thick the ice is on the water, coming out of the sweat lodge, he will go to the river and take a bath. <coughs> this I, I practiced many years ago. Today, I still yet practice that. Many of my own people, the Creek people, even though they, they, they have neglected sweat lodge, I still go to my sweat lodge. I myself has, has experienced what the sweat lodge has done for me. Some three, four years ago, when I was down with my heart, I had to walk around my yard with a walking stick. I still have a, two walking sticks at home that I used in my yard. I could not go to the mailbox to even check my mail without being short-winded. I had to stop. Many times I had to lay down and rest. I used my sweat lodge for one whole month, not missing a single day. I went through the sweat lodge one month. Then I began to put my walking stick away. I myself has experienced what the sweat lodge has done for me. I understand that this is the religion that was given to us by the Creator. All Indians believe, not only the Creek people, all Indians believe in the creation. Indian people are closely related to nature. Therefore, it hurts an Indian whenever his land is being ripped off. When he sees his timber going down, there you find trouble with the Indians. You may wonder why the Indians are protesting why the Indians are demonstrating all over the country. Why did we have the wars of yesterday year? Why did Crazy Horse, Setting Bull, and many others, Chief Joseph, why did they fight in the old days? They fought to preserve that religion. They fought to preserve their culture, that their Indian people may be able to speak their language. Today, I see that changes are being made for this Indian country, and I am proud to see my Indian people standing up once more a few years ago, some 20, 30 years ago, there was a time when we went to these schools. We were not permitted to speak our language. Some of the older people understands that. That's how come some of our Indian people does not know their language. Because in this school, they were told not to speak their language. I myself, attending right over here at Bay Cone, I had to associate with other tribes so I wouldn't speak my language. But for some unknown reason, I preserved my language. Today, I have children at home. They learn first. 
the language that was given to us by the Creator. I do not believe in being so disobedient to the Creator. The Creator comes first. I truly believe the creation and the Creator. Any day I will listen to the Creator before I listen to the government or nobody else. That's how strong I believe. This is the first belief of the Indian people. Therefore, I teach my, my children to speak their language. But some of us could not help it. Those Indian people that has forgotten their language, they could not help it. But today they have the chance to restore their language. And I'm glad to see this being taught in some of our government schools. Some of the religion that our Indian people practice, there were certain laws passed that we could not take part in this religion such as the Sundance, in which is known to the northern Indians. This is their religion. Nevertheless, the government passed a law that they could not protect of this type of religion. Why? Who is the man, who is the person that has the authority to tell us how to practice our religion when we were instructed from the early times what to practice? And these are some of the thoughts that I've always had in my heart. And today, I've been traveling all over the country here. In the last four weeks, I have visited different universities throughout the North and lectured in these schools. And these are some of the teachings that I am teaching today. Compare both the white man's religion or the white man's Christianity with the Indian religion. What will you find? Indians are believers in the truth. We believe in the truth. We believe in what we see. It is hard for a full-blood Indian to understand something that he cannot see. For that very reason, many years ago, our Indian people, it was hard for them to accept Christianity because they already had a belief that there was a creator. <clears throat> for some unknown reason, I sometimes think when we lose our culture and our religion, who is responsible for it? Is it the education? Is it Christianity? Why did we lose? Why are we losing our religion? For a certain length of time, for so many years, we begin to go down. The Indian people begin to lose their ways and they turn against their own religion. They turned against their own customs. And there was this time some 30, 40 years ago, when the Indian walked down the streets with his head bowed down in shame, all kinds of jokes was made of him. He was ashamed that he was an Indian, but not no more. Today, the Indian is holding his head up high. He is being identified as an Indian. He is, he is proud today because he knows that he is, this, he is the Native American. He is the first American. He knows better today. And I'm proud of my younger people because they want to be all Indians and nothing else. I see them standing up today. They want to go in the direction of the Indian. A lot of the older people disagrees with that because of they, they had been brainwashed so long that they begin to feel like that they're citizens and they're not Indians anymore. But there's no change in an Indian. We see that over 200 years what changes come for an Indian? Even though they're still trying. Even though they're still trying to do like everybody else. 
there's a very little change in the Indian. I, for myself, I would rather take a backward step. One more step, I feel better. Another step, I feel much better. And if I could go all the way back to all Indian life, I would find a pure, clean life. But stepping further, I see disaster. Among this, this generation, we've always been asked to, <clears throat> to accept the American way of life. What is American way of life? What is the future for the dominating society? Not too long ago, I came through Detroit. A few years ago, people were running over one another to go into Detroit. And I seen, I came through there less than two weeks ago. People are running over one another trying to get out of Detroit. So what's going on with the society? My friends, I'll tell you, the city life is coming to an end. I see that in the future. Indianness is a good life because living close to nature is a good life. A satisfactory and a happy life, what can take the place of it? We respect this earth as our mother earth because it provides for our clothes. It provides our meals on the table. Even now, not only for the Indian people, for everybody, this earth is their mother. When time comes that you can no longer buy food out of Safeway store, where do you suppose you're going to get your food? When we have wasted this land, when the air is polluted, when the water, when the rivers are polluted, who caused it? Is this the will of the Creator? No. That's why I say the Indian life was a pure, clean life. The further back I could go, I would be better off. Because I see that the way of life that I have been told to accept is coming to an end. There's, there's no way we're going to control this polluted air, the polluted rivers, how we're going to clear them out. The city life, what's going to come of the city life? People think that in this country, we can, there's no way that we could be starving. We have the best country in the world here. But let's not forget, not too long ago, we had some truck drivers crossing the highways. If those truck drivers would have got right down to business and closed everything off, then what use would Safeway and IGA store supermarkets, what use would they be to us when there's nothing there for us to get? Then we would have to turn around and look at Mother Nature. We had to look at our Mother Earth for food and for clothing. Since we are part of this nature, that's why all the Indian problems have existed all through these years. All the wars of years ago, that was the reason for it. No one goes to war just, to, just for the fun of it. It's, it's not no fun to be facing guns all the time. There's a reason for it. And that reason was to preserve their culture, to, put, to preserve nature. Everything that's put on this earth was put here for use, for our use. So we used everything that was set here for us. Even the trees, the herbs that grow, we used all of it. Then when we see it destroyed, it breaks our hearts. 
to an Indian that animal Atar is his brother. The birds of the air, they are related to them. All Indian customs were picked up from the creation. In the early times, we had no instructors. We had no schools to attend to. So our ancestors had to turn around and look at nature and consider the ways of nature. The entire Indian civilization was built upon nature. For that reason, the Indian people will fight you in order to preserve that nature. That's where our biggest arguments come from. That's where our biggest problems lies. Because we are related to nature. Being an Indian is not an easy life today in our modern times. It is hard to be an Indian. But if you grow up being an Indian, you're a proud Indian. No matter what the world says, it doesn't bother you. No matter what's going on in the next town, no matter what's going on over here, your belief in the creation will always carry you through. A lot of things happen in this Indian country that we never stop to think about. Being related to nature, you understand nature. I've lived that life for many years. Ever since I was born, I went to my ceremonial grounds before I ever attended any Christian church. I used Indian medicine before I ever used a white man's medicine. There was a time when an Indian could be a citizen and be an Indian at the same time. There was a time when an Indian could be a Christian and still yet be an Indian. But the two roads are beginning to divide today. I see that. It was said from the early times, even the Six Nations, the Iroquois Nations, same thing goes for our people, that no one can ride two canoes. They have to ride in one canoe. When the two-row wampum belt was introduced and shown to William Penn, the wampum belt meant the two rows, one row for your people and one row for my people, because no one can walk on both paths. This was approved, this was agreed. This was agreed in the interior department. And this has been talked about and mentioned for many, many years. And for that very purpose, treaties were made with individual tribes. More than 370 some odd treaties were made with the Indian people because the two cultures could not go together. The treaties gave them sovereignty rights. They gave them their freedom to have their own government, to practice their own religion, to continue with their own culture. Any way the Indian wanted to live under these treaties, he were permitted to live that life. Because, like from the, from the very beginning, the two cultures would, could not be combined. It was clearly stated that no one rides two canoes because the river is getting broader and broader. And if anyone thinks that he can ride two canoes, let him try it and go down the river. He cannot do it. And that's why I sometimes say that time has come that Indian people has to make their own decisions. 
Who are you? How much Indian are you? Supposing one said that we're going to terminate the Indian, then how do we go about proving that we are Indians? Are we Indians? How much Indians? You speak your language? Perhaps not. Do you attend your ceremonial grounds? No. What do you do as an Indian? How do you go about proving that you're an Indian? To most of us, we'd probably go to the BIA to get our record and get our roll number. That number was given to us by the government. I want you to, people to remember that. That was not, the government is not the creator. Your Indianness comes from the creator. So if all these questions was brought out, that would probably knock a lot of our people out. Perhaps I'm just an Indian just because I'm entitled to go to a hospital. Maybe I'm just an Indian because a per capita payment is coming around. Just how much Indian are we? That's what I think about our people sometimes. And I talk this to a lot of young people. Pick up everything you can that's Indian. Don't never make joke of it. Don't, make muff, don't never make fun of it. It's going to come in handy. Even your language, even you're just going to pick up one word, pick it up, it's yours. The Creator made you that way. No one has the authority to take the Indianness away from you. Today, under the law, the government can jerk out a card and say that you're not an Indian any longer. But I'll fight the government for that because he doesn't have that power. If he has the power to make the metal lock out of a robin, all right. If he can make an elephant out of a zebra, all right. But he's not going to do it. He doesn't have that much power. And that little card doesn't mean a thing to me. My Indianness is in here. He can terminate the government service to you. He can terminate the money. He can terminate you from going into this hospital, going to the BIA, but he cannot terminate you as an Indian. You're born an Indian, you're going to die an Indian. These are some of the things that I teach my Indian people. And that's why I say, it's good that Indian people stand up as proud people. I know the treatments that they have been through all these years. Some of us can't help what we are. Some of us can't help it because we cannot speak our language. But let's not forget we're Indians. The first religion that was given to us, there's nothing wrong with it. No one can tell us that it's wrong because no one has that power to tell us that. Our ancestors told us that this is, this is the way of life that was given to your people, your tribe, this is the life that was given to you. And it's up to you and I to decide who we are going to listen to. Who tells us that our religion is wrong? Who has the right to tell us that you got to act like we? That's how come many, many times I say it's hard for me to jump in that bandwagon, the dominating society's bandwagon, it's hard for me to jump in there because first thing I want to know, where's the dominating society going to? If they get in my wagon, I'll tell them where I'm going. I see future for my people. That's why I'm talking about future life, satisfaction in life. Nothing can take the place of it. Our value systems are different. 
The Indian people never reached out for money that much. But for the need of that money, our lands have been ripped off. We have to cheat somebody in order to reach out there for that money. This is not Indian. This is not our belief. We believe in long, happy life. Wasn't it that way according to the biblical times when people lived to be 900 years old? That's a lot of years to live a 900-year-old life. People in the Mosaic time believed in moral law, so they lived a long life. Somewhere down the line, they taught us that we're going to die, so we better get prepared for dying. And that's what's wrong with us now. We live according to the way we think. In the old days, when people looked forward to long life, they did live a long life. But somewhere down the line, they told us that it's better to die. It's a gain for us to die. So everybody started thinking about dying. We're all prepared to die. Most every one of us in this building is probably thinking about dying already. Therefore, we got our insurance paid. When we go down the highway and we get hit by another car, we're going to die. So we got our insurance paid. We got our burial policies paid. We're all expecting death somewhere, and therefore we die. And if the doctor says you got a bad heart, well, we're already dead when he tells us that. <laughs> then it makes me think sometimes, a lot of people talking today, they tell me that when you get at the age of 40, you start going over the hill. Now, who started that anyway? And what is it at 40? What is it at 40 that you can't do that you did when you was 20? These kind of thoughts, these kind of ideas that it, it, it corrupts the Indian mind. I'm way over 40 and I, I stomp dance all night <laughs> and play ball next morning. So we, we, we're living according to the way we think. So our, our days are short. We live in a short life now because we already got plans of dying. What if we reverse the whole thing and think about living a long life? Then what would happen? Why can't we make ourselves feel good and think that way? That's the Indian life. In old days, no one thought about dying. Whenever a baby was born, there were certain ceremonies that this baby went through that he may live a long life and live a happy life. Certain movement of the sun or the moon, maybe the new moon, a baby was treated that he would live a long life. And this is the life that was expected. Certain things a young person was not supposed to eat for his health until he reached a certain age. All this was the everyday life of an Indian people. Part of this I practiced. Today I begin to think that maybe I can eat this now. So I do. This is the Indian life that, li that, that they lived, a, a moral life, looking forward ahead. I had two aunts that were older than my mother. They didn't have no gray hair. One of the oldest one had a full set of teeth when she died. She, needed, she never used tobacco. She never drank coffee. She never knew how to count money. Even though one time, uh, 
she received uh, all wells on her place. She didn't know the value of money. She didn't know how to count money and she didn't care. And they always told me not to ever think about or talk about death. Today we say, I'll see you if nothing happens. <laughs> this kind of talk came from somebody else. That's not Indian way. So in going back to Indian ways is a beautiful life. Indian life was a clean life. <clears throat> if you have any questions concerning Indian life or some of the religion that we practice. Now in, in the Creek way we have what we call stomp grounds. I can tell you a full history of that too, which I don't know what time it is. I, like I said, I'm an Indian, so I don't even have a watch. I, <laughs> I eat when I get hungry and I sleep when I get sleepy. So, uh, <clears throat> so somebody will have to snap their finger or something in order for me to quit. But we have our ceremonial grounds around the creek country, uh, what we call stomp grounds. And stomp grounds are much different from the powwow grounds. We have a stomp dance, and when you hear about Indian dances, well, there's a lot of people that take it that that's where everybody goes and have a good time and take their six-pack and just have a good time all night. But among our tribal grounds, this isn't so. In the creek stomp grounds, it, they are ceremonial grounds. Certain medicines are taken throughout the day for purifications. And green corn is not eaten. Green corn is forbidden to eat until green corn dance, which comes off in the last part of June and July. We have our green corn dances. Until then, we are forbidden to eat green corn. So about this time, there will probably be a dance somewhere tomorrow night. Usually they come off on Saturday nights because of the working people now. But throughout the day is the most important part of the ceremonial ground because medicine is taken throughout the day and all those who take part in the ceremonies will have to keep awake through the night. So stomp dance was originated somewhere way back when we once had a what we called a roundhouse. That's where the stomp dance originated back in the east. The purpose of the stomp dance was to keep the people awake through the night because they, they had to set up all night anyway. So stomp dance was originated. And then later on, visiting people were invited there to take part in the stomp dance. Stomp dance is a social dance. It is not a sacred dance. Although we have sacred dances in these grounds, they're not brought out to the public, out, out to the rodeo grounds or out in a parade. Where, uh, we, we do not perform these sacred dances there. So we keep our sacred dances still out there in the woods where they belong. But stomp dance has uh, been practiced among powwows and other places here lately. But stomp dance is only a social dance in order to keep the people awake through the night. And these stomp dances, we have them about every Saturday night. But there's restrictions there on these ceremonial grounds. No drinking allowed within the ring. If you're coming there drinking, you're not allowed to take part inside this ring. And same thing goes for the women. 
women who has their period are not allowed to come in to these rings. And if you will notice that there is not much difference, like I said, I compare some of our Greek ways with, with, with the Bible times. You, you, search, you search the Mosaic law and you find that they live the same law about cleanness. Women's had to keep themselves clean and pure at certain times. You will find that in your Bible. And this is the life that we lived. And for that reason, we've lost a lot of medicine men. There were days when we had prophets, we lost a lot of them because of the uncleanness of women's. This has been done away with. And very few in the Greek country you will find a medicine man that understands these things. We have what we call herb doctors, which doesn't know anything but herbs. They will recommend some herbs for some sickness. Then we, and then a medicine man is a little bit, uh, knows a little bit more than an herb doctor because a medicine man has to understand medicine songs. And here lately, I never thought, a lot of this I have been writing at home, which I, I have never thought about making a book, but I only do this for the sake of my children. And I have learned that I never realized that I, I understood or I knew that many songs, that I had to memorize that many songs. And I can count probably more than 300 different songs that I, I memorize. And in the medicine songs, I find my history. One time the old man that taught me said, he had a little boy, grandchild in his room, and he told me that all these old people you see, all the old Creek people, them gray-headed people, they're just like this little boy. That they don't know nothing, they're just old. They know how to talk their language, they know what's going on. But until you learn medicine making, you don't know nothing. You're just like this little boy. And then he began to teach me what a medicine man is supposed to know. So you will not find the Indian history nowhere else, all preserved in the medicine man's heart. He can identify animals. He can identify birds that he has never seen. I myself has experienced this. One time I went to the zoo, I, and I identified the animals there that I have never seen, but I knew of them because of the songs that I knew. I knew that that was the animal that was mentioned in that song. So a lot of history, even prehistoric times, are preserved in a medicine man's heart. When he knows all this, then he, he is the history for the tribe. We have some that practice medicine, but that does not know all this. Then about the highest office that a medicine man could have is by performing ceremonies at the ceremonial grounds. That's as high as a medicine man can get. Because through much fasting, he had to pick up these songs and, and learn how to how to perform these ceremonies. And the Greek way, uh, it is not like seeking visions as some other tribes. Uh, the Greek ways are handed down from one generation to the other for over the period of thousands of years. These medicine songs were handed down. Anybody have any questions?
What is it? people who are interested in making medicine, but like I say, it is, it is unlike holding a position as a chairman or secretary. It is all up to the medicine man himself. If one wants to become a medicine man, he will have to talk to the medicine man himself and let the medicine man observe him. There's a lot of things that he has to go through that he has to notice about this person. And if he is not qualified for it, well, he cannot take it. But if he's qualified for it, well, he has to show himself that he is trying to pick this up. And in old days, it was said that even whenever a person sleeps, a medicine man would look at him, see how he sleeps. And if he was able to be a medicine man, he was judged by that. Now, it, it makes us wonder, what, what does that have to do with uh, sleeping, you know? Let's go a little bit further in, in the white man's way, too. But let's study his ways, too. How does a man go crazy? You know, how does people wind up in Venita and Norman and places like that? Did you ever stop to think about that? <laughs> what happens to a person that has nightmares all the time? How do you feel when you have a nightmare, if you ever had a nightmare? Things like that. Our Indian people were no fools. They knew things like that. Then we have people that gets up and walk around in their sleep. Or they might even uh, swing over like this and hit you. What, what kind of person is that? Uh, these are some things that the Indian medicine man observed. They knew what kind of person that guy was. There's a lot of things that the Indian medicine man knew that we don't know today. And yet we were told that our religion was wrong. Our Indian way of life is no good. You, you quit that and you get over here in the bandwagon with us. Then our Indian people tried that. And we've been a trying, trying, trying. And now, the younger generations are beginning to think different now. Uh, where am I going? How, how, how come I following this man all the time? That's the thoughts that our younger people have today. Why do I have to follow this man? Then we have some of our Indian people who believe that they have failed in this society here. We have some educated people that one time had an office and couldn't do no good, so he just quit and started drinking around and become one of the biggest drugs in the country. Then he begins to feel that he has failed. There's no failure in Indian way of life. We fail because we're trying to live up to somebody else's standards. We're trying to be somebody else other than what we are. And there's what we, what we call failure. But being an Indian is a good life. Being an Indian is a happy life. I enjoy myself out there in the country. I don't have a mention out there. I don't have the best out there, but I enjoy my life. Out in the, out in the country there, I go out into the woods. There is no limit to education out there. What I learn out there, 
What I learned looking at the birds, what I learned looking at the trees, I take it that I know something you don't know. And that type of education comes from the Creator, the way it was, it was, it was meant for the Indian people. Doesn't even the, I still go back to the Bible. I used to go to church. I know what it is. I know all about it. We had Bible for subject every day over here at Bay Cone. We studied that every day. We even wrote books about it. So I know. I know what I'm talking about. So it is written in the book of Proverbs. Go to the ant bed. Consider her ways and be wise. How many Christian people do that? And it also tells us, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It doesn't say nothing about the facts. It says the truth. <laughs> For that reason, I still say we Indian people are believers in the truth. And what is the difference between the truth and the facts? Facts is something that the society has accepted to be the truth, which does not necessarily have to be the truth. You'll understand these things if you hang around these court buildings like I've been doing. <laughs> Once a person has a day in court, and the court says that these two guys that come into the court, both of them could be honest people. They could be good people. But since he has a day in court, the judge says that he's a criminal. Whether he is or not, he is a criminal. According to the evidence, he's a criminal. Then to the society, it becomes a fact that he is a criminal. But what is the truth? I say we Indians are believers in the truth. In this country, long before the white man came here, we had laws, but we had no jailhouses. No Indian people ever had any prison walls in which they put their people in. But laws were carried out. Laws were complied with. In each and every case, the accusing person never had to have a witness. But under the court system that we have, we have to have an eyewitness, one or two witnesses. Why? The person that originated that type of a system could not trust his own self, so he had to have a witness. <laughs> but in the Indian way of life, Indian's word was good. If an Indian was told that you come to the courthouse, the Indian court, or you come before the elders, and that the elders are going to kill you on a certain day, that Indian would come up there to be executed. Those were truthful Indians. They were honest people. And that is what I mean by believing in the truth. When we believe in the truth, we will find freedom there. Our Indian people, that's why they believed in the truth and in the creation. If you ask him, how come you got all those feathers on, not their war dancing? Or how come, how did y'all start wearing all them feathers? That Indian is not going to waste time trying to explain to you. He will take you and show you his belief. Then you say, Mr. Indian, how come in your religious ceremonies, why do you do this? Again, he will take you out here to the nature and show you 
that it works for the ants, it works for these insects, it works for the human beings. That is the truth. That's how come he believes in the truth. In the white man's way, they, they believe in that too somewhat, sometimes. Do they not send a monkey up to the space first? <laughs> Do they not operate on a dog first? See if that pill will work on this uh, mouse? <laughs> in the very same way the Indian people lived, they noticed, they watched nature, studied nature. If it can work for nature, it would work for them. Therefore, that's where they picked up a lot of customs, traditions that we have today. That's where they come from. We studied nature all the time. That's how come I say, we people, we are believers in the truth and nothing else. <clears throat> Sometimes I think about what is right and what is wrong. We people, we got a brain up here. We were created that way. But how many people uses that brain? Today, we are being told what to do all the time. They tell us what to do. There's someone else deciding for us. There's already books written for us to follow, which is not our own way of thinking. But we are taught to live this way. We are taught to think this way. Now we are even being controlled. Our brains are being controlled. And perhaps this is the reason for all the problems throughout this country here. I sometimes think about that. Now they've been telling us for 200 years that uh, you, you quit that Indianness over here, you better get over here with us. You work close like I do, you cut your hair, you, you send your kids to school, you do this and you do that. I'm the dominating society, I'm bigger than you, I outnumber you. You do this. We've been, we've been told that for 200 years. And we thought that was the right way. So we've been trying to live that life. And then here now we turn the television on and there's Watergate problems there. So what does that mean? Is that the kind of life that they want my children to be in? And here we see people fighting and protesting throughout all this country here. What kind of life is that? I'm going to keep on. I'm going to make somebody mad before I get off of here. <laughs> now, what, what I'm telling you, I speak up for the native people. I speak up for my Indian people no matter who they are. They're my kind. They're suffering. Why are they suffering? I'm surprised. I've traveled all over. We had 18 universities lined up. Pennsylvania all the way up to Fargo, North Dakota. I lectured in these schools and I am surprised to find out right here in the heart of America the people in these universities does not understand Indian problems. They don't know what the Indian problems are and I'm surprised to see that. Then I had one to ask me, do you think that the Indian people are the most discriminated people in this country? I said, you are because you're being discriminated by your own people. Today, the white man is the most discriminated person in this country here because he doesn't know anything about Indian problem. Even the television has hidden the truth from him. Even his own government, they have hidden, they have covered up 
The rotten dealings, the corruption that lies in Washington has been hidden from the public. The Indian problems, the wounded knee problems. What you see on television is nothing but violence, but you don't see why the causes of these violence. The press, the news media, does not bring out the truth of what actually takes place. Only what you see on the television is the bad part of the movement. And therefore, the American Indian movement has a bad image here, especially in Oklahoma. But if you know the causes of it, why all these Indian protests, Alcatraz, Pitt River, Wounded Knee, Gresham, and many other places, why are these Indians doing this? They're seeking freedom, free to govern themselves, free to practice their own way of life. And they don't have this freedom. And this is not announced to the public, to where the public knows. And I am surprised, visiting many, many universities throughout the United States here, that the people in this country does not know what the Indian problem is. How come that? Why? We have a lot of problems here. And it all has something to do with Indian belief in religion. Like I say, we believe in the creation. We have strip minings going on in Montana and other reservations. Our reservations have shrunk down to small little bitty pieces of land. Why? Why is that? All the native people, I speak up for the native people. Anywhere. I understand problems in Canada, South America. For the convenience and for your luxury here in the United States, there are people suffering in this world. The oppressed people in this world. There's people out there picking coffee, native people picking coffee, that you may have coffee here for breakfast every morning, every day. Think about when you eat your bananas. There are native people suffering there. What's causing the oppression of the world? We Indian people, we become part of the oppressed people.